And I'm speaking to Dr. Rochelle Roman, a good friend of mine, in the spirit of what I'm doing as I try and basically talk to my colleagues and hopefully get some information out there, create some value. So hi, Rochelle. Hi, Ryan. <laughs> yes, Rochelle. Let's just say was not so enthused, but I know now she's quite happy to be here with me today. <laughs> I am here. Excellent. I'm not so happy, but I am here for my good friend Ryan. Yes. <laughs> Excellent. So, Rochelle is a hematologist, and we'll get into what that is in a minute. And basically, she works in addition to, well, one of the places she works is on Phoenix Avenue, I believe. The place is called, I call it Meridian Medical. I think it has a longer name than that. Mm-hmm, that's it, Meridian Medical, Phoenix Avenue. Yes. Excellent. And anybody that needs her can get her there. I will post some links there after this. So I, I was trying to think of the best way to ask you two million questions, Rochelle. So I think the best way would be for me to illustrate this through a patient I have that I was going to send to you, but it's a family friend and it never worked out. So mm-hmm. what happened to this person is she, and I'll try to be as general as I can with it, she's basically in her 70s and she had a big C cancer of, let's say, of something below the waist and mm-hmm. went to her oncologist, surgical oncologist, and because of what was affecting her, I had to go and get something they call, that we call chemotherapy. Now, interestingly, she, of course, the whole diagnosis is a real trooper and really, I would say, having a sort of rough time, shall we say, but needed chemotherapy. Chemotherapy is the way, one of the ways in which we treat patients. And what's happening to her now is that she has a situation in medicine that they call pancytopenia, where all of her readings, for lack of better words, are low. And I think, not being overly dramatic, but in particular, the, her blood count is particularly low. And that is something, a situation some people call anemia. So I want to ask you, in this particular patient, why, or what are some of the reasons why her blood count is a little low? I mean, bearing in mind that, of course, she did, she has undergone some chemotherapy. And if you could also talk a little bit about what you do from day to day. Okay. So with the information you've given me, I think that there could be a number of reasons why her blood count could be low. And just to be a little bit more um, precise, the blood counts that we pay attention to in patients who are getting chemotherapy includes a red blood cell count. If that is low, then the patient is anemic. It's also important to pay attention to the white blood cells. Those are the cells that help to fight infection. 
as well as the platelets. Those are the cells that help to control bleeding. So in a patient with a malignancy or cancer or one who is undergoing chemotherapy, one or more than one of those counts can be affected. So for your patient, you mentioned she was pancytopenic, which means that her white cells, her red cells, and her platelet count was low. And in a patient like that, the most common reason would be as a result of the chemotherapy itself. Chemotherapy not only helps to kill, for want of a better word, um, cancer cells, it can also affect the blood counts. I mean, these cells come from the bone marrow and the bone marrow produces them and chemotherapy slows down that production. And so the, the blood counts can fall. So if all of the blood counts are affected, as in this patient or a friend of yours, it's more than likely chemotherapy related. Um, you had mentioned, I think, that her red blood cells was especially low, meaning she was quite anemic. And that in addition to the chemotherapy could be based on whether she was losing blood. Um, you said that the cancer was below the waist, so she could have been losing blood, in which case she may be lacking iron. Or maybe she was lacking iron from, from even before to begin with. So she probably had some degree of anemia to begin with. In terms of how we manage these patients, well, the management will depend on the cause. If the patient is anemic because of an iron deficiency or deficiency of any other nutritional um, any other nutritional cause like vitamin B12, then we would want to replace that with either iron or with B12. If it's a patient who's bleeding and if we're not able to bring the hemoglobin or blood count up quick enough, we may opt to do a blood transfusion, especially if the patient is having symptoms. For patients who are undergoing chemotherapy, we may choose to delay giving subsequent cycles of chemotherapy in order to allow the bone marrow to recuperate on its own. Or we may give products that may help the bone marrow to boost or to increase the production. So there are injections that we can give like erythropoietin, which specifically helps to improve the red blood cell count. It takes some time for the injections to improve the count though, or we may give injections that may help to improve the white blood cell count. So those are some of the ways that we can address um, the low blood counts in a patient such as yours. And that was such a wonderful answer. So many questions. I just allowed you to speak. But in your quite right though, she was actually losing some blood in addition to what she was told was the that it was a chemotherapy that did this chemotherapy, of course, targeting rapid late dividing cells. And basically you end up with this situation where in your bone marrow you have rapidly dividing cells there which really is where a lot of these cells are produced, which, and as a consequence, you get this situation fairly often. And of course, you will get your hair falling out. That's the common thing people, a lot of people realize and know about. And also you can get vomiting, diarrhea, and several other unwanted effects. The, I mentioned something that I think we should talk about because it's very relevant to what we're talking about here. The transfusion she, in addition to all our other interesting issues, 
she had uh, or has, I should say, O negative blood. And why that's interesting is she had a, really a sort of challenging time getting a donor. Can you talk a little bit about why she had some challenges with that? Um, well, on a whole, or unfortunately, our blood supply tends to be low. Um, and, and I think that is because of, um, well, let me not get into that. So one of the reasons would just be as a result of unavailability of blood. Um, another reason is being resource negative, which is a negative part of her blood group, the O negative. That's not a very common blood group to have. And so with, uh, low, supply, having one of the more uncommon blood groups will make that situation a little bit worse. Also being resource negative, it limits the possible um, the possible blood types that you can get. So again, that further reduces the the, 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 the options for her from an already limited supply. Exactly, this is exactly right. So it, it's we have a bad situation. You are being very diplomatic, by the way. I appreciate that. <laughs> so, so having worked the blood bank for quite some time, yes, I understand the challenges oh, from the administrative point of view and the patient point of view. So yes, I do understand. You know all the all the sides to this story. So I actually knew somebody, I think gentleman still works there, a friend of ours, who didn't admin aspect and he was doing all sorts of things to get get attention. I think he had to be begging Shaggy, singer Shaggy, to talk about blood banking. He's you know, he has his you know, Shaggy has his passion for Buster, Buster Manti. And I think his passion or it basically his charity really gives toward I think it's more well, Boston generally, and I think cardiac ICU. But anyway, in that process, I remember he said that because he has to be asking these, it's called famous people to really get some attention because they need blood. And what is something that I think we're taught, but I never really thought about is, is that when you are O negative, essentially what she was told is that she, need, she needs an O negative donor. So I was saying, well, let somebody give blood. They'll find somebody with O negative there. And what she was told is, that, no, there isn't any O negative blood here. Somebody has to come give you, and then we'll give you that. And so that is something that the, when you're O negative, you, well, forgive me, by the way, correct me if I'm wrong. I think that situation is called you are one of or considered to be a universal donor, so you can actually give people blood. Uh, or, yes. Right. So this, this is and this this situation that that's quite fine. So you can give, but when you are to get, it's a bit of a challenge. <laughs> You're going to have to get somebody that particular blood type to give you. You can't just get any and. The reason has to do with what what 
you spoke about this resource and uh, have some big fancy terms that I don't want to bore people with called incompatibility and which well not overly fancy but um, everybody can read everything about that but basically you get this conflict and you can get something they call uh, a reaction and this reaction can be quite frankly not the nicest thing in the world I mean it yeah. can be it can be fatal Russia Oh, most definitely. Because the thing is, blood is made up of the cells, as you know, and the plasma. So somebody who is blood group O, yes, those, if you were to donate blood, then you can, that blood can be given, to, as you said, they're the universal donor. But their plasma, which is a liquid part of the blood, will have certain proteins that can react in a very bad way if you are to receive, say, blood from somebody who has blood group A or blood group B, and that further makes it difficult to find blood for somebody who is O negative, if you are to receive blood, that is. Right, so it's, it is this whole situation which, just since we're talking about this, if anybody is O negative or... And in general, if you have the word and the ability to, I would just ask everybody to go and give some blood, you know. I mean, it really would help uh, us as a nation and help us as people, and especially all negative, because as I say, what ended up happening with Russia, she, it wasn't even family, it was a friend of a friend heard. And so this, this stranger gave some all negative blood. And she was able to get this transfusion. Yeah. So it's it's sort of I mean it's it's really this case and being in the fact that as I said, this woman is really a family friend. I don't want to say it too much because I don't want to yeah. pinpoint who it is, but basically it's it really just illustrated to me. These some of the things that I haven't really even myself, even being a doctor, I'm a family doctor, just thinking about these, a simple thing like this. And also in terms of chemotherapy, she did get what she was told, and actually I think I helped administer this, that she was given something to stimulate her white white cells. It was yes. an IM injection, uh, Rochelle. What, how, do, how exactly does that thing work? And I really, I must admit, I never even looked carefully at the name of it, but she needs somebody to administer it, so obviously I gave it. But what, 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 and how does that work in terms of stimulating the white blood cells? So basically, it's a colony stimulating factor, and it helps to stimulate the maturation of young white blood cells which are in the bone marrow and so they grow quicker and when they get mature they can they, they are then released into the circulation so it basically speeds up that process right. so it i'm told going back to her that the counts weren't that great is it that it doesn't work with everybody or it takes a while for it to work so it relies on a patient having 
the precursor cell or the or the reserve in the bone marrow. So if the reserve is low, which tends to happen once we get older, or if we've gone through multiple cycles of chemotherapy, then you know, giving the injection, yes, it may stimulate, but if there is not a lot of stuff to stimulate, then the response may not be what you want it to be. So it may be a case where we're talking about an elderly patient yeah. or a patient who had multiple cycles of chemotherapy or who has some other type of issue affecting the bone marrow where it's scarred or just doesn't have enough reserve for some other reason. Okay. Well, thank you for that. I was genuinely wondering about that. So that was uh, something that I had read, but I said, well, let me let you uh, clarify it for me. Yeah. The, the implicit thing that we're saying here is that in addition to treating people with variations in their blood counts and other issues in the blood, you also treat by giving or helping people with cancer. And so there are two arms to what you do, is all you can think of it. The question mm -hmm. is, the, are all hematologists, do all hematologists do both things as the hematology and the oncology? Or is it, or is that a unique situation to Jamaica? Or is it nowadays the whole medicine is so specialized? Uh, do you have people even locally that only do the oncology? part of things yes you do um depending on where in the world you're trained the program that you do may offer both hematology and oncology um you have programs where you do just hematology and programs where you do just oncology and even if you are trained in both areas you may choose to sub-specialize and just choose to practice one versus the other and even within the specialty you may sub-specialize and only say treat breast cancers or colon cancers. So it depends on your training and of course, I guess your your area of interest. So your English and now you do both things, is that correct? Yes. Okay, so anybody listening to that, remember I said Marindale Medical, fabulous hematologist, oncologist, Dr. Rubman. Thank you for being here again. <laughs> I, <laughs> I, I wanted to because I know that you're busy and we were running a little bit out of time. We mentioned mm -hmm. a little bit about this simplicity that, of course, your blood count. Well, I, I just want to get to this because it's such a big area for us locally. And the fact that uh, anemia is a situation where your red blood cell counts and specifically some people even specify your hemoglobin, which is something that is found in your red blood cells is a bit low. And a type of anemia we mentioned, of course, is iron deficiency, which is very, I'd say, I think a lot of people consider it to be the commonest. And you mentioned others. And I wanted to just talk a little or ask a little bit about sickle cell because it is so, let's say, relevant to our situation here and part of the reason why it's relevant is that i think a lot of work was done locally on sickle cell and we are regarding some of the authorities in it for lack of better words so in terms of sickle cell that 
an email. So it's a special. Can you talk a little bit about what exactly that is? Okay, so yes, you're right. Um, in, in Jamaica, we have approximately one out of 10 persons will carry the sickle cell or will have a sickle cell trait, which means that they carry the gene that causes sickle cell. Um, um, approximately one in 150 persons will have sickle cell disease where they have um, inherited the sickle the sickle gene from both mommy and daddy. And so they have full-blown um, sickle cell disease. And patients who have full-blown sickle cell disease, they are anemic, uh, well, sickle cell anemia that is, because you may have different combinations of other types of abnormal hemoglobins. So with sickle cell anemia, patients are anemic. Um, they tend to have various crises, such as painful crises where they have a, a significant or, or, or debilitating bone pain. Um, they can have a number of other complications from, from their sickle cell. Um, they usually present from childhood once they get to say age, three months of age, um, that's when they start to present. And, you know, they oftentimes have to spend quite a lot of time in hospital because of the painful crisis and the anemia, to name a couple of the um, issues that these patients have. Exactly. And it's, I'm sure everybody listeners knows somebody with at least a trait. And it is, quite frankly, is this whole debilitating nature of it. This is why that we, we're advancing, but we need to, I think, in my opinion, do a little bit about this, which is uh, everybody should know that situation what what if they are carrying because fortunately unfortunately we would prefer people that are two carriers i suppose it's not bad if a male and female decide to have a family and of course i don't think you can really choose to say don't have a family with this individual if you you know you have certain other social factors but we, it's something that we tend to like to know in our profession so that we can plan. And because I think even I had some of our more, shall we say, I don't understand, for lack of a better word, militant colleagues used to say, don't have children, don't, you know, don't procreate. But I don't think we can tell people that, as I mentioned earlier. So the idea is that you're trying to avoid having an HB. SS child, which is a child who has fully blown success because that individual can have some problems that we mentioned. And those problems are significant, not only for the child, but of course, for if you want to be, think broadly for a hospital, a nation, country, world, you know, that kind yeah. of thing. But when you have sickle cell and there's some this situation called a steady state and all of that, you can talk a little bit about that, Rochelle. Yeah, so um with with each individual sickle, there is a hemoglobin level at which they would be most of the time. And that's considered their steady state. So yes, it's the level, it, it's an abnormally low level, but it's their normal for want of a better way to express it and so when they have a crisis they fall below 
this level. At the steady state, their body basically gets adjusted and can function for the most part. Um, they've, the body has learned to adapt to this low hemoglobin level. And so when they have a crisis and they fall, that is when um, they may experience um, more or additional symptoms. Um, so we, we aim as best as possible to try to keep patients at their steady state. And there are treatments now that can help to increase a patient's steady state. Oh, talk about that, for example. What, what, for example, you... hydroxyurea. Um, it helps to increase another type of hemoglobin, which is a hemoglobin F, which helps to improve the patient's um, hemoglobin level. Gotcha. Yeah, this doesn't sound too foreign to me. Okay, so I was the best hematology student, so <laughs> I'm so, so glad we're talking, though, to remind yeah. all of these points. So the interesting point is that you, when, if to use some numbers, if a male's hemoglobin is supposed to be 15 and mine is 15, somebody who is a sickler, they might be 10, and that 10... They may be a six. They may be a six. Well, so even yeah. So six and if it's six and they would be comfortable at the six. Is that correct? I mean, for the most part, yes, because um, this is this is the level that they would have most of the time. And so their bodies would have time to adapt to the levels. Um, their hearts will become more efficient at, at, at functioning at a hemoglobin level of six. So yes, they do adapt. But then if it is that something happens and the requirements increase, for example, with pregnancy or with exercise or even with an infection, um, then they may have difficulty compensating at that point when the demands are greater. Gotcha. So that this is the key point is that this number, although, of course, and when you're sickly, you know all of this, but you are not Trying, you're not going to be taking iron if you're at a six. It's just not something generally. It's a totally different thing. You'd more do, and you'd well. I suppose you'd be under the advice of a doctor in any case. But you you don't try to elevate it in any other way. And you 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 would do it. This is the blood count. You do it on an advice of a medical practitioner, and preferably. Not even one of us, not even a general practitioner, I would say, uh, somebody like yourself. You know, yeah, uh, but I mean, iron would only help if you're iron deficient. You right. know, so taking iron when your hemoglobin is low will help you if you're iron deficient. If it's another reason for your hemoglobin, if there's another reason why your hemoglobin is low outside of iron deficiency, taking iron may not necessarily improve your hemoglobin. So in our situation, I'll run out of time, but since you just mentioned, in our situation, other than iron deficiency, and we mentioned sickle cell, the other types of anemias, are they fairly common locally or not so common? Um, well, as you said, iron deficiency is one of the most commonest causes of anemia, especially in women, um, because as you know, women, because of their monthly blood loss, that will also um, be a reason um, the, the in in adolescents and, and maybe younger persons um, who may have 
not so good nutritional intake, we may see iron deficiency as a result. We may also see vitamin B12 deficiency. Um, this is more common though in patients who are strict vegetarians who don't um, consume meat. Um, so B12 deficiency, not as common as iron deficiency, but is also one of the nutritional anemias that we do see. Those are probably the most common ones, sickle cell, as well as nutritional um, anemias. The nutritional, what are, what B12, how can patients go about raising those levels naturally? Or is it possible or because? Certainly possible. Okay. I mean, providing that you can absorb B12, um, increasing the, increasing the intake of animal products, such as meats, dairy products, eggs, those are high in B12, and that might help to improve the B12 levels, providing, as I said, that um, the, there's no issue with the stomach and you can absorb B12. The, and in terms of iron, what foods would you say? I'm trying to inform people of that as well, that the foods you, you, you guys recommend. Mm -hmm. iron -rich. Well, meat is iron rich meat fish poultry um, non-meat sources of iron would be like the leafy green vegetables beans those are high in in, in iron and you we have the iron fortified foods there are wheats and cereals that are for have increased iron um, in them so that too can help excellent so well, I think we've gone through a lot here, and I know you have to go, but I always like to ask everybody this. So I think this, is, this will be my last question. We are in this wonderful country, and we had several problems, including healthcare, in my opinion, and we have several very bright, intelligent doctors and medical professionals like yourself working. In your opinion, how would you improve your area then to be as specific as possible in terms of, as I know we have the, well, we mentioned one thing about blood bank, I suppose we can try to get more blood donors, but is there anything else that we can do to improve your area or specialty locally? And the, the follow-up to that would be, uh, what would you do to improve our healthcare locally, your ideas? No right or wrong, yes or no, just want, want to hear your thoughts. Um, in, well, an injection of cash will certainly help. <laughs> um, but outside of that, I think education, um, where we make persons more aware of the causes of the common disorders that we see and if we are to educate persons as to how to prevent some of these things, um, also improving in detection, you know? So I think if we educate persons more as to cause, cause and effect and prevention and screening, and that should go a long way. So we're talking that would that would be on the patient side. Any mm -hmm. facilities that well, you you work privately, and I know you worked publicly on university and so on. 
in the public university sector, what do you think needs to be done to get, for example, units world class? You said that you mentioned what would the cash be used for? Just wondering what exactly is ideal. Um, it would be used to, or it could be used to employ more doctors. One, um, increase the cadre of of, of diagnostic equipment, um, improve with the maintenance of such equipment, um, increasing the availability of drugs, mm-hmm. things like that, I yeah. think. Yeah, exactly. So it's, it, it, there is, and I think there's this great challenge. I remember, I don't remember who the person was. Yeah, I'm sure a colleague of mine was saying she was the only person rotating in him, which is hematology at university at at the young level in her year. So the call would be quite brutal. So literally just having another individual would assist. Mm-hmm. And there was an issue with I think there was an issue with the program as well at that time. So the these uh, programs or study programs, postgrad programs, you have to get funding as I understand it. So if you are only funded for X amount of spots, I don't know if that was it was that how it was when you were training in Russia? I don't think I understand the question. Ask me the, again. No, well what I was asking is that it, it you were were you the only hematology resident at the time? No, no far yeah. from. Right. It, it, what this person is saying, which I think could have been a combination of things, but she was saying that her particular was interesting because she was the only person her year. Like, mm-hmm. you would have people above and below. Yeah. So, I think, you know what I think it was? I think she was the only first call. Okay. So, I think that that was weird. So, she was the one running from uh, ward to ward and so the situation is that when you're first called, basically people are calling you first. So right. you get to, you get to enjoy yourself, your four rings a lot, and basically get to stay awake. It's, it's not right. a job, but so she was just thinking that maybe if more people do the specialty, and I think the idea was there was a at that time I think she, her particular was interesting that whoever was interested end up doing something else. Yeah. And not him that year. So I think that was so what I was asking is that if 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 funding of the spots, but you said that when you're doing it, you had more than one resident year year? Yes. Yeah. So that that must have been like everything else, you'll have ebbs and flows, you know, and, and I think it's probably across the board with most specialties. One year you may have a lot of applicants, another year you may not, for whatever reason. You know, so Yeah, that that's just uh all right, so and then so you mentioned that, and then for our healthcare system in general, any thoughts as to how you'd improve it? Any additional thoughts besides right. the one that right. I mentioned? Yeah. Um, um, no. Not specific to hematology. I mean, I think across the board, I think my comments would go across the board. Gotcha. Yeah. All right. Well. I always like to ask people that and so I thank you 